What the fuck are we thinking? Fuck what doesn't fit. Fuck what didn't fit. Fuck what doesn't fit. Am I crazy? Probably, but do I care? No. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the very first episode of the Fuck What Doesn't Fit podcast. My name is Lorna Rose. I'm a communication strategist, and I'm here today with my very bestest friend and my soul sister. Hi, I'm Brenda Bennett, and I am an intuitive coach. Brenda, start us off. What exactly do you mean when you say fuck what doesn't fit? God, that is such a multifaceted question. So I think that it really, really started with, well, the biggest fuck what didn't fit was me leaving corporate a few months ago. Um, you know, I, I had known for a really long time, my intuition was screaming at me that it wasn't where I belonged, but I kept on ignoring what my intuition was telling me. And I kept getting promoted, moving up, thinking that all of the things, all of the promotions, the accolades, uh, the wine in the evenings, everything would make that voice go away. And it didn't. And it wasn't until I started really listening to, you know, my intuition and what it was really saying and following it that I started really exploring what was it saying? Why was it saying it? And it all came down to me following what society told me, what my beliefs told me, my given beliefs that, you know, get the money and have everything you want in life and you're going to be happy. And I was just so lost when I didn't feel happy, when I felt unfulfilled, even with everything on paper and the nice house and the nice car and the wonderful husband and the kids, I still felt empty. And I felt like it was me. I felt like it was something wrong with me. So, you know, I started really looking back at my healing journey as I walked out of corporate. I knew that I was going to coach people and that was my passion. That's what I wanted to do. And so I knew I needed, what am I going to focus on? There's a lot of voices in the coaching industry. What was the main thing that helped me heal? And it was truly uncovering my beliefs, making them conscious and exploring. Had I really decided those things or had I listened to either what was told to me or kind of what I observed. And it really came down to most of what I was running on was what I observed or what was given to me when I was younger. You know, it's crazy that you say that you just made this decision a few months ago, because when I reached out to you in May, I thought you had been coaching for like years because I've been following you on Facebook and looking at all of your posts. And that was really what told me, okay, she gets it. I don't know what it is, but I think she gets it. So let me ask Brenda for resume help. Um, so I thought you had been coaching. So, you know, maybe this was coming for you. This is where you've been meant to be this whole time. No, it really is. You know, I started probably 2019, 2020. I knew this is where I wanted to, to be. I knew that this is what I loved, what I enjoyed. I knew I was good at it. I, you know, I helped friends all of the time and I even took a course. I took a course and I thought that that course was going to put me on the path and it really actually set me back. The teachings in the course just did not resonate with what I believed. And it actually, I was going through something pretty um, little t traumatic at the time. And the coaching that I received out of that program really actually set me back. And so I really, for a long time, even though I knew it was coaching that I wanted to do, I really questioned if I could do it, if I could find a way to do it that was different than everybody else. And, you know, I really stayed away from it for a long time after that experience. And so, no, I'm really glad that I, I decided to jump back into it and find my own way. No, so am I, because I would literally not be here <laughs> if you hadn't decided to jump back into it. Okay, so before we go any further, 
maybe we should explain to people why I reached out to you on Facebook, how we were Facebook friends, <laughs> and where it all started with us on a plane on the way to DR. Um, ten years ago. Ten, almost, yes, almost ten, almost ten years ago. So for everybody listening, this is how Brenda and I came to be friends. Back in 2014, December of 2014, at the time, my boyfriend and I decided to go on a vacation. We were going to go to Punta Cana, DR. And when we connected at the airport in DC, my then boyfriend said, we're going to get a bottle of Ciroc and hopefully the people sitting next to us are cool because we're going to get lit on the plane before we even touched down in DR. And as it turned out, our seats were the very last row of this plane. So he had the window seat, I was in the middle, and then sitting next to me in the aisle seat was Brenda. And directly across the aisle from her was Steve, her now husband. So Brenda, you know, she's quiet, kept to herself, pulls out a book and starts highlighting. I'm in law school at the time. So I decided that would be a good opportunity to strike up conversation just to see if she's cool. And I said something to the effect of, I'm impressed that you are getting in last minute studying before you go to DR. I probably should be doing the same. And what was it that you were reading in that book? Oh, I was studying for my series 24, FINRA series 24. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, but correct me if I'm wrong. You were quite happy to close the book. Once, I was so happy to close the book. When you asked, oh my gosh, when you asked me why I was studying, I was like, well, because I know I'm not going to be doing anything but drinking this entire freaking week. So I knew my test was coming up. So it was just, I was probably not even really reading all that much. But yeah, I was happy to close that book. So she closed the book. We offered her some Ciroc. And then she asked, can Steve have some? This is my fiance. We're actually on our way to elope. So of course, all the more reason we have to celebrate. Pour up. So the thing with vodka is if we didn't already have motor mouths, it's like nitrous oxide boosters. Okay. Especially when you put two people with ADHD together on a plane for what, like a four, four and a half hour flight? We just started talking. My boyfriend put his headphones in. He obviously got the hint that he was not invited to this party. <laughs> and Steve had his headphones in and I would put money on it that he was probably playing bricks and balls. He yes. probably, I, th- I don't know if he'd found it by that point. If it was not that, it was some CNBC podcast. For sure, he immediately put it in be- as soon as we started talking. <laughs> and finally, the rest of the plane had just done that. Yeah. Uh, we got so into this conversation and it was a and the Ciroc. And the Ciroc. We got into all of it. That one of the flight attendants came back and asked us to please keep it down because the pilot was complaining about the noise all the way at the back of the plane. But thankfully, in before that happened and we had to quiet it down, I just asked, you know, Ciroc would kick in and you were gorgeous and you had this beautiful makeup. And I was like, Hey, you're close by. Do you want to be my maid of honor? That is so vodka talking. It really was. I mean, it only got worse, worse or better. It depends on how you look at it. When we landed in VR because one of their bags was lost and my boyfriend spoke Spanish. So he went with Steve to Lost and Found to translate. Brenda and I just hung out at the duty-free gift shop sampling all the Dominican rums they were giving away. So yeah, by the time Steve and and my ex made it back over to us, it was a done deal. We were the best man and maid of honor. I was going to do her wedding makeup, which was perfect because at the time I was a makeup artist for a salon and spa in Boston where I was going to law school. So it just all worked out. And that was how we met. A couple of strangers on a plane heading to DR for a week of drunken debauchery. (laughs) 
and a wedding. And would you believe, would you believe that one of the biggest things bonding us now is the fact that we are both sober for about two years each. And yep. that's kind of the biggest thing bonding us. So we will have a lot of stories, but yeah, I think this is an episode in and of itself. Absolutely. Uh, we can talk, we can talk about sober stories all day long. So yeah, that is, that's our origin story. And, you know, naturally we just stayed in touch. We, I mean, we have to, <laughs> they're made of honor, of course, right? and they're witnesses. Uh, so we're forever a part of their lives. So that's how we stayed in touch. And we just kept connected on social media and it was back Back in April of this year, 2023, that I was so stuck. I've been trying for the last couple of years really, really hard to pass the bar exam in Texas. It was just too much for me. And I think really now looking back, what it comes down to is it's because I was never meant to be there. If I had taken the bar exam in Texas and passed it there, I essentially would have been stuck there, right? I would have been stuck in Texas. And as much as I loved living there, for the first few years. And, you know, I'm a big Cowboys fan. So being around my people was great. That wasn't where I was meant to be. And it wasn't where I was meant to end up. So it's almost like a blessing in disguise that I was so stuck in directionless. But I just knew from following Brenda for the last you know, eight and a half years, she just gets it. Something about the way you were posting, the way that you talk about intuition, trusting your gut, you know, saying fuck what doesn't fit to society's expectations. It really just spoke to me because I've always been a fuck the shit kind of person. I'm one of those people that if you tell me to do it, I'm gonna wanna do it even less. And after so many years of listening to my friends tell me, but you have to be a lawyer, but you're supposed to be a lawyer, but you have to go past the bar exam. You have to keep trying. It made me resistant to it even more every time. And I realized that's because I didn't actually want to go in that direction. I was just doing it because that's what I thought I was supposed to do. What else do you do? You get your law degree, you go be a lawyer. If you can't pass the bar exam, something is fundamentally wrong with you, right? We know that's not true. And every practicing lawyer will tell you that that's not true. So I knew that wasn't where I wanted to be. I knew that wasn't what I wanted to do. I even went and got another degree because I knew that JD could not be the final stop for me because it didn't feel right. I went and got my master's in communications, which is way more my style, way more my speed. But I was still having a really hard time this year finding a job. So that was why I reached out to Brenda. I just wanted resume help. And that conversation, that was the start of changing my life. It's so surprising to me that my posting over the last nine years, especially showing up as myself, was what made you reach out just because I was just sharing my story. And, you know, for the longest time, I really hid a lot of myself and I didn't really show up as who I was because I had this I need to fit in. You know, I was working the corporate ladder, et cetera. I had things here and there where I would, you know, I had tattoos, but the ones that were showing were white on my arms, right? Like just, I'm, I'm kind of bucking, you know, the trend, but also like quietly. And so, you know, over the years I've gotten louder and louder about it. And that's what I've really just found. Like the more I step into it right now, like my arms are full of color. I have 11 cats and I don't even hide that fact anymore. Am I crazy? Probably, but do I care? No, it makes me happy. And so just the more and more I step into these things where I'm myself and I'm like, you know, fuck all these beliefs and thoughts that society has and that others have about what I should be. The more I step into who I am, the more I just show up. And I want to think that's what attracts people. So I'm glad to hear that my posting and me sharing my story, um, you know, that helped you. It did. It really did. Because the biggest thing for me was, like I said, I thought you had been coaching. I thought you were a corporate coach this whole time. And I remember the first thing I said to you was, 
I can't afford to pay you. And I'm really sorry to ask you for your, your labor and your expertise for free, but I just really need help. And what it was about your posting, you were so vulnerable and honest. And that made me feel like if nothing else, I think she's just a safe person to open up to. So what it was with you, Brenda, it was your authenticity. Again, I know buzzword, but like, it's the right word. It was, it's your authenticity and your transparency. Like I knew exactly what I was getting coming to a conversation with you, even though we had not seen each other physically. We hadn't even talked on the phone at that point. Ever, ever. I don't no, think we've ever I had a phone we, call at that point. I think what we did was like each other's posts and comments, like, go girl. Yeah, <laughs> right. that, that, that was really maybe a message here and there yeah. if it was something specific, but that was really it. And when I reached out to you and I asked for resume help, the question that you asked me that just, you know, clouds parted, light bulbs went on, changed everything. You asked me, what kind of a work day do you see yourself having? And that was a different type of question than what everybody else that I tried to get help from had asked, you know, other friends or family. It's, well, what do you see yourself doing? What kind of job do you want? What jobs are you looking at? And that's a hard question for me to answer, especially in the moment of scarcity and desperation. I'm looking at whatever jobs are going to pay me enough to survive because that's the struggle right now. And I don't even know that I'm allowed to have desires for my job. I don't even know right now that I'm allowed to say what I want because the advice I'd been getting up to that point was just take what you can get. Take what you can get for now because that's what you need. And so when you asked me, what kind of a work day do you want to have? I told you, honestly, I don't want to have to put on clothes that I'm uncomfortable in. I don't want to have to sit in a car and commute somewhere that I don't want to be all day. I don't want to be forced to sit around people and share eight hours of my time every single day with people I don't like that much. Of course, there are some more substantive responses than that. Um, but what you came back and said was, well, no wonder you're having a hard time updating your resume. Resumes are for you to go work for somebody else. I don't think you want to work for anybody else. You want to work for yourself. That's why you can't update your resume. That conversation just really opened up the doors for me to imagine a different option for myself professionally than what I'd been fixated on, which had always been what everyone else was telling me I was supposed to do. You know, I'm just asking the questions. I think that I wish people would have asked me. I wish somebody would have asked me years ago instead of telling me like, well, just 15 more years, put your head down, get get those stock options. Look how fast you're moving up. You know, this is what we have to do. We have to work. Well, yeah, we have to work. I get it. But does it have to be something that is absolutely draining and soul sucking. And, you know, there's a lot that came out of my corporate career that is really, really good. Met a lot of good people. I had experiences that if I didn't have, I couldn't be doing this today. But at the end of the day, you know, ultimately the decision was when a lot of people above me were just saying, put your head down. You know, I only have another five years. I'm just going to do this and I'm just going to make it. Like I just saw the golden handcuffs. I saw that people were locked there and I didn't want to ever become that. It was kind of in this, this middle land between like, if I escape now, I'm not giving up so much that it's not possible to get out of here. And so for me, it's just asking questions so people can have their own truth. Everybody has their own truth. Just not many people actually ask you what you want. Most people tell you what you're supposed to do. I still, to this day, I'm working on answering that. In your course, your intuition development course, 
you talk a lot about the future self, right? Mm -hmm. And that was a question that you had posed to me. I think you are actively at this moment still waiting for me to I finish am. writing my yeah, future self. You need to. Write it. You need to. <laughs> um, but it was so hard for me to even imagine a future at that point because I was so stuck in the quicksand. And it felt like the harder I worked to try to move forward and get out of it, the further down I was sinking. And unfortunately, when you're going through that kind of phase in life, that kind of a you know professional crisis, there's not a lot of sympathy. Right, and we're supposed to have it all figured out. We're right. supposed to have it figured out by that point. And if you don't, it's on you. Something must be wrong with you. You must have done something wrong. It's really hard to convince people when you've you've fallen so hard from grace that you are deserving of their help and you are deserving of a leg up. So it was a tough place to be in. It's, you know, it's tough out here in these streets. It's tough out there. And and your story, I mean, while it's definitely amplified, your age is when I see so many people start to question this. This is when the voice in my, in my head, the voice in my head, that sounds crazy, but now I know it was my intuition. It is when it really started screaming at me. And it's when I really started picking up wine and, and making that my way to quiet it. It's truly right around, I swear, your mid to getting into your later 30s is when we start to really revolt and we either make a change or we end up doing things like I did, like drinking all of the wine while sitting watching Netflix, while putting things into my cart so that I could wake up the next day and have deliveries at my doorstep and make myself feel momentarily better. It is, you know, this whole idea of the midlife crisis. I mean, it's true, but there's a reason for it. We have gone on for so long with what people have told us we're supposed to do. And we are just at this point in our life where we've been doing it for so long. And we're like, is this all there is? Is this it? And it's one of two roads. It's either put our head down, we ignore the calls, and we find ways to get through. We end up with bad coping habits, mechanisms, or we decide to take our life back. And we question everything that we were told. And we figure out what in this life is ours and what we're going to leave behind because it was others. And I think that's something that's so important. Learning how to recognize what's not yours. That was a whole new concept to me that you introduced me to. And I think that it's becoming easier to accept. No, there's a different way we can live. There's an absolutely different way we can do this. There's a different way we can be a professional. I think that was one of the biggest benefits that actually came out of the pandemic was that it forced the whole country to see, oh no, we can in fact do things differently. And that was probably the biggest example I've seen of that I can remember of society collectively all coming together, except for probably CEOs and, and top of the house people that have to cover rent and all of these obligations that they have to the real estate companies, but nonetheless, um, the, the biggest coming together of like, yeah, this is so much better for my work life balance. And no matter what industry you're in, I feel like almost everybody collectively is like, yes, this is better for the workforce. If you want to be in the office, awesome. If you don't want to be and you're just as effective, even better. But it was like we all came together and bucked a shared belief. We were like saying, guess what? No, you don't have to sit in the office nine to five to be effective. And look, I'm actually more efficient here at home, getting more done and I'm able to see my family. Why isn't this what we're doing? And so I think that was a perfect example of questioning beliefs and actually having, we were quite fortunate, not fortunate, fortunate, 
not saying that the pandemic was fortunate, but to your point, it was very fortunate that we were able to collectively as a society question a belief, a longstanding belief that's been helped. No, pandemic bad, but new way of living, not so bad. Pretty good. In fact, I think pretty good for most of us. And we all know the only people who aren't happy about it are the same people that really insist that there's something wrong with paying fast food workers a living wage, as if fast food workers just should not be allowed to live. (laughs) Or probably the same demographic saying that we need to all be back in the Mm -hmm. office. So yeah, there's definitely a correlation But, you know, and I want to make everybody that's thinking, well, like, what are my beliefs that I'm operating on? And God, have I just not been conscious? Please, no, you you really haven't been. So many of our beliefs are at a point where we are just running on autopilot and we don't stop to question, like, when we feel unhappy, when we feel frustrated, all of these things, like, is it ours or is it somebody else's? Because we have lived these beliefs and we've lived this way since we were young and our brain is designed to put these things on autopilot. It is a feature of our brain to make things efficient. And these are just beliefs. They're just beliefs that have become habits. And we are just as efficiently as possible for the animals that we are making our way through life with these beliefs that may or may not be what we consciously would decide. So, so much of coaching and so much of what I want to bring to the world is getting people to really make what's unconscious conscious, right? To shine that light, you know, Carl Jung said it first, right? Shine a light on the unconscious. It's truly our subconscious that is is running everything. And I just, yes, this is all about questioning everything, but there's a very good valid reason for questioning everything. And it's just to make sure that you're not stuck on autopilot and that you're actually running your life for you and not from some programming that was handed to you. And it's very, very difficult to do this work by yourself. You do need somebody to help you because part of it, it's the questioning the beliefs. And it's hard to do that to yourself because we protect ourselves. When I was doing a lot of this work with Brenda, you know, she would have to, she would have to confront me. What do you call it? Carefrontation. <laughs> it's confrontation with care, right? So she carefrontationally made me face these beliefs that I was struggling with. Um, my latest big breakthrough with Brenda came just a couple of weeks ago. What Brenda sat down and asked me was, why not sports? Why not get back into sports? Oh, you guys need to know about Lorna and her sports obsession. It is, it is thick. <laughs> she is, lives, breathes eats, I don't know, whatever you can do to sports, it really does. Like from February to August, I'm dead inside because football. <laughs> oh no, I take that back. April to August because March Madness, of course. Um, so yeah, sports is my life. Sports has been my life, my whole life. And I've worked in sports. I've been working in sports and entertainment since 2012. And I just had some bad experiences. I worked for a sports event company uh, for three years and I was never paid. I was paid commissions in the last year for doing sales on top of being the executive director of this company. It kind of ended ugly. And it really burned me. That just made me say, nope, I, nope, this must not be for me. I, I should just be a fan of sports. 
So when Brenda asked me, why aren't you getting back into sports? I just broke down and I just started crying. It just came out of nowhere. And I explained, because I can't, because I tried and I failed. And when we finally narrowed it down to that one guy that I worked for that refused to pay me, Brenda said, what was it that you said? It was so great. I think it was along the lines of why would you work so hard for somebody else and not for yourself? Yes. And are you going to let this one douchebag take away your most favorite, passionate thing in the world that you can marry with what you want to do? Are you going to let that one guy, that one person take away that spark? Yes. Oh, and you also said, oh, it was Guys, write this down for yourselves. Are you really going to let somebody who's already taken so much from you in the past hold your future hostage? Even repeating it now is giving me chills because it was like my mind, body, and soul were screaming, no, we are absolutely not going to let that happen. What the fuck are we thinking? And that was it. And now I've set up three interviews this week. Mm -hmm. So I can break in to where I really want to be, which is communication strategy and coaching for student athletes. That's the work that means the most to me. Giving back to the next generation of up and coming business people, athletes, young adults, professionals, entrepreneurs, influencers. I just, it's an incredibly rich and abundant time for opportunity. And I want my gift of communication to impact that in whatever way I can, because that's what makes me happy. That's what turns me on and keeps my fire lit. And never again will I let somebody extinguish my flame. Yeah, I have absolutely seen you just completely light up. Now, I think that we needed the last three or four months together working through everything before this was a possibility, which, you know, getting into the swoo here, that is my term for combining science and woo in whichever direction it is. It's the science that explains it, or it's the woo that explains it. It doesn't matter. You get the same answer. I think that the timing just had to happen. There was a lot that had to clear for you and that we had to work through together before this could even be a possibility. If you would have tried this back in April or May, I don't think you would have been in the same place. So it's just so crazy to watch how how the universe unfolds, how timing unfolds, or really just truly watching somebody heal <laughs> and getting to the point that what you're doing is a possibility. Whatever swoo direction you take, it's just incredible to watch. I couldn't have done it without you. I, I don't, I seriously don't think I could have because I would have been doing it this whole time if I could have, right? You know, in defense of all of our therapist friends, I mean, they absolutely have a place. And I know that, you know, they have done a lot for you as far as understanding your past. That's just kind of where it ends, right? And that that is their job. It's to get people back to baseline. That is what they are commissioned with, right? That's what their entire job is. That's what their training is to make people who maybe aren't functioning or who are just stuck in these loops to get them back to baseline to functioning. And then beyond that, you're just kind of left out in the world. It's like, all right, we looked at your past. You know why you do what you do now. Okay, now what? I don't know. What do you think? And so, you know, it's, it's just, it's not their job. And there is such a lack in that even that is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And even as much as I really can't stand the majority of the direction that the coaching industry has gone. And I hate even calling myself a coach. I really, really hate the word coach because it is so cringe. And that is what kept me away from the industry for so long. But knowing that, you know, and I had a great therapist three years ago who helped me get back to baseline. 
but who wants to live a baseline? Like that is what coaching is really about is, all right, how do we move forward? What do you want to do? Who do you want to be? And there is actually not a better word for it than coaching. So here I am. I'm a coach. I'm taking the word back. Yes. Take it back. And we're not here to tell you your truth. Your truth is your truth. We just want you to make sure that your truth is really your truth and not somebody else's truth. That's why we're doing this, right? hundred percent. Uh, please, you know, reach out to us and let us know if there's anything you want us to talk about, or if you have any questions and thanks y'all for listening and tuning into our very first episode. We will be back next week. We'll see ya.